Uh, greetings and welcome to the weekly educational rounds here at Seclair. My name is Jim Ellermeyer. I'm a behavioral health therapist here and today I'm joined by my colleagues. My name is Lauren. I'm a physician assistant student from Seton Hill University. And my name is Mike. I'm a PA student from the University of Mount Union. And we so much appreciate you uh, joining us today. And each Monday we try to present a topic of interest that people uh, may not be aware of and perhaps they can incorporate it in their, in their daily lives. So today what we'd like to talk about is uh, the, the physician's assistance program itself. Uh, there's a great deal of misconception about what physicians assistants are, what they do, and how they, what type of preparation they have. As, as you can see by my face, uh, I was born before yesterday, and when I was younger, there was no such thing as, as a physician's assistant. Uh, and sometimes when I call my doctor's office, Lauren, uh, there's two physician's assistants there, and they'll ask me, is, is it okay if you see the physician's assistant, or do you need to see the doctor? Tell me, tell me where that comes from. Tell me how that makes you feel. Well, I think it's a newer um, profession, like we even said. So people aren't really aware of what we do or who we are or how we um, practice. And so they're only used to seeing doctors. Um, but like we had been talking about before, when they do see the PA, they do feel comfortable and confident in um, what they do um, patient care-wise and would be happy to see them again, usually. Um, so. Mike, could you give me a little history on a little background on physician's assistant? Yeah, so physician assistant, they've since changed the name. It used to be physicians with an apostrophe S. It's now physician with no apostrophe. We were a little put off by feeling like we were possessed by the doctors. But we started in 1965, actually. It kind of starts, the background is we just got a World War II, the Korean conflict, things of that nature, and there were a lot of army medics, navy medics, and corpsmen that were highly, highly skilled practitioners of medicine who learned out on the battlefields. And they came back to the United States, and they were trying to figure out how, how do we get these people who have so much medical training but no formal degree involved in medicine. And uh, really the first pioneer of this was Dr. Eugene Stead. He did this at Duke University. He started a program where he took these corpsmen and he taught them standard medicine, not medicine you'd see out on the battlefield, but how to adapt what they learned there to a um, primary care setting. And so he trained them as generalists, and his goal there was to provide highly trained practitioners at a fraction of the cost and effort that it takes to go through a doctoral program. So what you're telling me is that it started off in Basic, based in the, the military type of experience? Yes, actually for the first several years it was almost exclusively military veterans and typically males at that point too. It's since changed quite a bit. And when did, when did an actual, uh, Lauren, maybe perhaps you could ask, clue me in, as to when the actual physician's assistant uh, training program began here in the United States? Um, in the United States, well that was Duke University like we talked about mm -hmm. in the 60s. It's evolved since then, um, grown to different uh, models and things like that. Dirt is currently where it's in a maturation stage of maturing, um, really growing the profession, growing knowledge of the profession um, to what it is today, a growing field. So, so I'm going to, you both can chime in on this. I'm going to ask you what type of what type of education, what type of uh, training program do you do you folks go through? 
Um, typically, um, it's between 20 and tw 24 and 27 months, somewhere longer, like Mike said earlier, around 30 months. So it kind of depends on the school, what type of program you have. But usually how it works is you have a didactic phase, which is um, in class, studying, learning about medicine, um, more books and tests and those kinds of things. And then um, the second phase of it is out on clinical rotations, which Mike and I are doing now. Um, we're out in the field seeing patients and learning um, hands-on. Yeah, and so it hasn't always been that way. The, the terminal degree for a physician assistant is a master's degree right now. It used to be a bachelor's degree, and it's progressed as things tend to do in this country. And a lot of times people question, why aren't you, why don't you have a PhD? Why isn't it a doctorate level program? And part of that has to do with our relationship to the physicians. So we are dependent on physicians to practice. We work hand in hand with them. And again, part of that gets back to our core philosophy of trying to provide affordable care at a low cost. And having that master's degree gives us the right amount of training to exercise in a professional manner and provide that high quality care. But it prevents the kind of inflated costs that you get with some of the other programs where you spend five, six years in, in the field studying before you actually get to touch and, and heal patients. So that's kind of where our, our um, profession is now, I would say. And for the immediate future, it seems like it's going to stay that way. We're going to stay on master's program level. And we do a lot of our training out in the field so that we can really achieve that level of mastery and work in many ways like physicians just with them. Yeah, as I was uh, going to chime in there and say, even though we do work with the physicians, uh, physician assistant programs are um, based on a team approach. You really do have your own autonomy. You see your own patients. You're making your own clinical diagnoses and making up your own treatment plans. Um, so you do have that autonomous uh, relationship with your patients but you do um, can fall back on the physician when you need them or any of the other staffing that you would need. So let's say this, I walk into a physician's office and I see the physician's assistant. Tell me what the physician's assistant can do that a doctor maybe, what, tell me things you, you, you do that the doctor doesn't or? Um, it's pretty similar. We can do, what is it, 85%? I think is the, the percentage of what they can do. The only real difference is they have more training than we do, so they might see more specialized cases or um, really difficult cases or things like that where we might not have as much experience and feel confident seeing those patients. But essentially, um, we can do, like I said, about 85%. Surgery is a little bit different. That's maybe the only specialty where we don't do surgery on our own. We only assist the doctors that do surgery, but other than that, I really feel like most of the other specialties we're doing just about the same amount of work. And what you touched on, Jim, I think is there's a big concern that if you're seeing a physician assistant, you're seeing something less than somebody less than a doctor, somebody with not quite the same amount of training, so therefore you might not get the same quality of care. And that's completely untrue. Um, we are highly trained. We're trained in a medical model much like a doctor. We just go through a condensed process of learning. And then, as far as care is concerned, we, like Lauren said, we can do the vast majority of what a doctor can. One of the benefits of being a PA is that you do tend to have a little bit more time to spend with your patients. Our goal is to do two things. One, to alleviate wait times for the patients, and two, to help out the doctors. And as we know, wait times just keep increasing as 
patient loads for doctors get bigger and bigger. And so in that regard, you do get the same quality of care that you get with physician. And it's important to note that one of the benefits of seeing a PA is that they do coordinate care with the doctor. So if you're just seeing a PA, you're still gonna, your case is still going to be considered by the doctor as well. Everyone keeps each other informed. And so like Lauren said earlier, it's a very much a team approach to medicine that just makes it a little bit more efficient for both the patients and the doctors. And you also can write prescriptions yes. and you can order tests order, yes, and, exactly. and procedures done. Yeah, like I was saying, it's all um, you seeing your own patients, you're diagnosing them with conditions, you're ordering tests for them, prescribing medications, making up their treatment plans, um, pretty much just the same type of visit that you would have with a physician. Mike uh, touched on something just a few minutes ago that here at Seclaire, we're an integrative holistic uh, psychiatric facility where we take into account uh, the mind, body, spirit, the whole environment of, of an individual. And Mike, it was a, and we're a patient-centered facility. We're a patient-driven uh, philosophy. Um, so the idea is, I really like what you were telling me is that being able to spend a few more time, minutes with a with a patient, uh, having some patient centered care. Could you could you both address that a little bit? Well, I think that's critical in medicine, and as we see this shift in healthcare with all the changes that come with it, it's. I think the perception from a patient's perspective is that they're just a number and they're just a time slot, and that's not really beneficial to the patients or the physicians, and I think both recognize that, unfortunately, the socioeconomic circumstances that we're surrounded with lead us to that condition right now. But like I said before, PAs and doctors, our symbiotic relationship really helps to free up time to be with the patient so that you're not missing something. I mean, 90% of diagnosing a patient and treating a patient is listening to them and hearing their story from that you can really determine how to best help them. So you're listening to them and you're there hearing your story. You're hearing their story. That's correct. So tell me how many times have you been to a physician and that has not occurred, Lauren? This is more than once, yeah, that's true. It depends on the people though. Um, and here, like you said, it's a holistic place and you've said multiple times that people just want to be heard and that's really what PAs are, are here to do is just listen and that's what it makes us uh, allows us to make the correct diagnoses because sometimes it's you know a, a word here a sentence here is something like that that would lead you a different way than if maybe someone's breezing through your story or just um, hearing it from someone else. So what type of fields do physicians assistants after you graduate what type of fields do the people gravitate toward? Where, where I think right work? now it's more towards the specialties which might not be the best thing for healthcare. Um, primary care places would probably be the best right now to help the um, economy, but a lot of people are interested in the different types of specialties because PAs, um, at least my program, some there's some um, residency programs and things like that, opportunities mm -hmm. for PAs, but most of them are just generally um, primary care types of programs, but you're able to go into different types of specialties and you're able to switch specialties, which is a good thing. Um, as physicians, you are pretty much locked into whatever specialty that you decide in school, whereas with PAs you could work in psych psychiatry for a while, a few years, and then be interested in internal medicine or orthopedics or anything like that and be able to switch without going back to school. That's right, and um, 
something that she touched on is that there does tend to be more gra recently graduating PAs. They tend to gravitate towards the specialties. We're trained as generalists, though. So we're trained through the whole spectrum of medicine. And initially, the hope is that you go into a primary care setting. And like I said before, the whole philosophical concept of a PA is geared towards that, towards helping alleviate the stresses in medicine where there aren't enough providers and there's too many patients. So like Lauren said, there, unfortunately money kind of talks and specialties is where the money's at, but we are trained in primary care as a, as a foundational uh, point and then from there we branch off into the specialties. So could you address uh, the accreditation? Could you address the licensing issues that the physician's assistants have? Sure. Um, all programs uh, are supposed to be nationally accredited by ARCPA. It is somewhere in here. I just don't want to say it wrong. Accreditation Review Commission of Education for the Physician Assistant. Um, our accreditation was actually last year, so we had some folks come into our school interview the faculty and some of the students and kind of get a vibe of how our program works and then they would offer you so many years of accreditation until they'd have to come back again. So um, some of the newer programs may get two or three years. Some of the older programs that are more established might get five, six, something like that. And it's, it's a fairly rigorous process as far as accreditation for the schools is concerned. And they continue to monitor them and make sure they're achieving standards. And so there are programs that occasionally are under suspension or under review. So they can they continue to make sure that the programs are teaching the right material at the right pace and with the right concepts behind them. As far as a physician assistant's accreditation, they, they get their master's degree from an ARCPA accredited program, and then they have to sit for the national certifying exam. And similar to how schools have to recertify every couple of years, physician assistants have to do the same. So, Could you talk to me a little bit about that? Absolutely. So the, uh, the process never really ends just because you graduated school. It's the same as if you look at doctors, they have to recertify for their boards. PAs have to do that as well. For us, now it's every 10 years. It used to be every seven, but they've realized that 10 years is about sufficient. That's about the same length that it takes for physicians every time they have to recertify. And so you go and you sit for this national exam and it ensures that you do have that foundational knowledge to continue being a PA. After that, there's several other things you can do. Scope of practice, that's your ability to perform a specific task. That varies from state to state. So it's hard to speak on behalf of one state or another. It all depends on where you practice and the state medical board's you know, philosophy. Could, uh, could both of you share with me what led you to the Physician's Assistant Program, Lauren? Um, my type of program is a five-year program. It's a combined bachelor's and master's degree. So I went right from high school into the, this program. I was just always interested in science and helping people. Um, and I was hoping this was the right career choice. And until I really got into the graduate program, the didactic phase, it really hit me that this is what I wanted to do. So. And I actually came from a little bit different background. My program is a post-grad program. So I had an undergraduate degree. I actually went into my undergraduate education looking at uh, business. So I was a business major for a year. I had a couple injuries that I had to deal with. And 
through that process, got a lot of experience with the hospitals. I eventually started working for a hospital and decided that I really enjoyed the healthcare profession. So then my dilemma was, do I go for the MD or DO and go for a doctorate level program or do I do something different? And that's when PAs came up and with my experience of PAs in the hospital, I found that that's exactly what I wanted to do. They have enough flexibility in their jobs that they can, like Lauren was saying earlier, if you're tired of one specific field, you can switch up your career and still do that. If you want to teach, you can teach. So there's there's a whole lot of diversity in, that comes with being a PA. And so that's really what led me to this particular And what career. type of guidance would uh, you both give to individuals out there who may be interested in pursuing this field? Um, it can be done. There's lots of different offer, lots of different, <laughs> he's laughing, but there's lots of different programs and like I said, it's a growing field. So it's growing more and more and more schools are getting these types of programs. And it's really, like we've said this whole time, it's really aimed at um, helping the physicians decreasing patient wait time and um, acting as more providers because there really is a lack of providers in the United States right now. Um, but it can be done. There's lots of programs. I just encourage everyone, if you're interested in it, Get some experience, go out, job shadow, um, see if that is really what you want to do, and then just apply and see where it gets you. Yeah, the, the PA field is absolutely exploding right now. New programs are coming online, it seems, every day. So the jobs are available, the opportunities to get involved in programs are certainly there, and it's really a great time to be a physician assistant student and a physician assistant practicing out in the field because there are so many opportunities and like we said before, wherever doctors go, physician assistants can follow. So really, the, the opportunities, I guess, I'd like to say for physician assistants are endless. And we've been talking about this as healthcare changes. Their role in healthcare just seems to be getting bigger and bigger. So I certainly and unequivocally encourage anybody who's interested to check it out. And Lauren and I actually probably aren't representative of most of the PA students. I know there's a lot of people in my class that have families that have come from alternate career paths and have come back to school. So it's really never too late and um, the more experience you bring to the table, the more beneficial you are to both your patients and the doctors. Is there any fun in it, Lauren? Yeah, there is. When you get that patient that um, says that they've done well on their treatment plan, their medicine's working for them, you've really you know, turned around where they were a couple weeks ago, months ago, years ago, it's worth it. It's beneficial. Well, my hope is that both of you get some, have some joy and some playfulness uh, in your life and in your career. And I hope that this may have cleared up some, a few misconceptions about the physician's assistant role in the, in the health field today. And I would, would hope that people keep an open mind and understand that the physician's assistants are an accepted and accredited, uh, competent individuals that are also in the helping profession and can care for you. So uh, I'm going to ask Mike to uh, lead us off here. Yeah, I'm going to do my best to read this. We'll see how that goes. Well, to continue our conversation, please like us on Facebook, plus us on Google+, or follow us on Twitter under Seclair Life. That's S-E-C-L-A-I-R-E-R, -E life. And keep an eye out for any of these or our following podcasts. We record every Monday right around noon. And...
we're always open to more questions from you as our audience. You can also find this and other Grand Rounds on YouTube.com under Seclair Video. You can find audio versions on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and iHeartRadio. So we're available on multiple platforms for you. And please feel free to visit us at www.seclair.com for more information about us, other articles on healthy living, our blogs, and we thank you for paying attention to us here. And yes, and even though I am not a doctor, I am not a physician's assistant, I'm going to leave you with a couple prescriptions today. One uh, which was a nice big prescription for hope. Uh, Dr. Chaudhary has a huge prescription pad uh, that he writes for every patient for hope. And fruits, nuts, and vegetables, unplug your television, and perhaps take up fishing. And perhaps this afternoon, Mike and I are going to do some real mindful fishing we're going to fish without bait so until we meet again uh, my hope is that you be good to yourself thank you <laughs>